The Warriors All 82 podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Warriors ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. The Jazz and Celtics are in town this week in the Chase Center, and uh, you can probably get tickets a bit cheaper than you expected from the beginning of the season. Hello and welcome back to what will be a unique uh, Warriors All-82 podcast. Quickly, I'm talking to you right now from Oklahoma City post-game. Uh, Warriors just went 0-3 on the road trip. Uh, Six-point loss in Oklahoma City looked like it was going to be really bad uh, from the start. You know, they're now 17 at halftime. They quickly went down double digits. Recovered in the third quarter. D'Angelo Russell has 17 in the third quarter. They erase this. 17-point deficit completely. He banks one in from deep uh, to tie it going into the fourth quarter. They end up losing. Um, and, again, why I'm calling this podcast is unique is because I'm going to kick it to an interview I had with Jay Wright, uh, the Villanova coach, pretty much solely about Eric Pascal. Um, but I wanted to have a quick lead-in before that, um, you know, about the game, about the road trip. Uh, like I said, they went 0-3. They're now 2-8. and They have the worst record in the NBA because the Pelicans won tonight. Um, and I thought Steve Kerr had some really interesting postgame comments about, you know, not accepting their fate. Uh, he's kind of taken a different, uh, you know, I guess public strategy than he did earlier in the season when he was trying to tamper outside expectations by saying, uh, you know, hey, fans, get ready, get used to some of these losses. Now he's trying to say they need to go get wins instead of just getting moral victories, which, you know, the last two nights were, you could argue, moral victories um, with the overtime loss uh, to a Wolves team when they were 10-point underdogs. And then again tonight where they kept it a lot closer than they did a couple weeks ago when Steph Curry was healthy. Uh, but to me, you know, I guess the story of the road trip, probably D'Angelo Russell, he comes back, plays the final two games, has 52 points in Minnesota, has 30 points again tonight, you know, zero in the fourth quarter. Quarter, but he did have that 17.3rd, which was impressive. They've handed the offense over to him. I put the stat in my post-game article, which, again, because I'm not going that in-depth on this game on the podcast, I'd encourage you to read. Um, D'Angelo Russell had 26 uh, pick-and-roll ball-handling possessions in Minnesota, which, like, I can't remember seeing a game with that many. I mean, he's averaged nine previous to that. Uh, the NBA leader, Damian Lillard, averages 14 a game. Russell, who was second in the NBA last season in that in Brooklyn, averaged 11 per game. So 26 is just crazy. Um, but that's just become the Warriors offense. Steve Kerr kind of admitted that tonight. It's just a personnel reality, even if he doesn't like it. Um, and then, you know, but again, Russell, 82 points on 56 shots on this road trip. He was pretty good. News of the night, Eric Pascal, um, the guy you are, are about to hear a ton about from Jay Wright. Um, he sat out the game with a hip contusion that he suffered in Minnesota. It was a really physical game. Um, it's not expected to be serious. Uh, I don't know. You know, he might play Monday against the Jazz. The Warriors are about to have a tough week against the Jazz at home at the Lakers Wednesday against the Celtics at home Friday. That's a six and three team and two seven and one team. So, uh, but Pascal should be back soon. It's not considered serious. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to kick it to Jay Wright. Um, this is an interview I had with him last week or earlier this week, I should say, um, on, you know, the Warriors intriguing young rookie, the second rounder, uh, that they shockingly, 
or that has shocked you know people with uh, really his offensive game uh, early on in his career. So here's Jay just kind of explaining, uh, you know, tracing Pascal's history from you know the New York City to Fordham to Villanova for three years where he played under Jay Wright. So here you go, Eric. You know, I know he went to Fordham year one. I talked to him a little bit last night in Houston, though. Um, you recruited him a bit before he went to Fordham, right? Yes. Yeah, we did. We, we, and we, we really liked him, but Tom Picor, the coach at Fordham, who was our, who was our assistant, um, he got on him earlier and, and, and was ahead of us in terms of evaluation. Like, we were still, we liked him, but we were still watching him and, Tom committed to him really early and went after him really hard and um, and really knew that Eric's a real family guy and wanted to be close to his family mm-hmm. and got him to commit before we could really get deep into the process so he, he, he kind of beat us on him and we, we were disappointed but, but happy for Tom because he was our guy yeah and then um, how did, did Tom come over to you or what, what exactly happened again that, that got you Eric well we always followed him because we followed Tom you know like, yeah so and you know and we knew him we knew Eric so we saw him having a great freshman year we knew we could see a great young team mm-hmm. and they were going to be good and Eric was the freshman of the year so we were you know we we, we would see him when we could see Tom when we could and you know everybody was following Eric because we could see like this guy was gonna make their program, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we were all shocked when, as Tom was, when, when he got fired, you know, because um, they had a great young team. They had all these young players that all went on to play. I think five of those guys, with Eric, four other guys went on to play on major college teams. And um, so I think Eric was shocked too, you know. Yeah. And and. Uh, and then Tom said to us, "They said, you know what? I, you know, I'd, I'd like him to stay, but I don't, I don't think he's going to. So I know you guys love him. I'm just letting you know that he's, you know, he's he's going to go. And um, you know, you guys should recruit him. He'd be great. You know, Tom said, look, I know you liked him out of high school, but just trust me, he's, he's even better than you thought. <laughs> and um, so then we, you know, we continue to uh, then we yeah. started the recruitment, you know, all over again." Yeah. What do you remember about, uh, you know, a young Eric, the guy you recruited, the guy that came in and redshirted? Um, what stood out maybe personality-wise and, and, and what made you like him so much? Well, you know, you could see his talent. You know, he was a, a typical New York kid. He, he was a natural bucket getter. Like, I, I've i used the analogy Bernard King because um, he, 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 he had that ability to, to just elevate – hang in the air shoot his jumper attack the rim um so that's what I saw initially and then when we, we recruited him the second time we you know he went to Kansas and um I know Kansas was recruiting him. I know he took a trip to Florida and what we realized was that like, he's really close with his family I think that's probably why we got him mm-hmm. that's why he went to Fordham you know they have a Sunday family dinner all his sisters his mom and dad he knew he could get back for Sunday family dinners and we loved that about him you know just a real down to earth spiritual kid that, that loved his family loved being a part of something bigger than himself you know it was always about winning you know, and, you know not about his 
his numbers, which you can tell in recruiting. You know, he never never asked how many minutes or how many shots. He just, he, you know, he wanted to win, you know, and um, it was rare. Yeah. And, and we, we know, you know, we recognized that right away. And in 16, the year he sat out, 15, 16, he was on the same team with Dante DiVincenzo. They were both sitting out. So it was a funny year for us because we would come out of practice sometimes. We couldn't stop those two. Mm-hmm. And we would think, as a staff, we'd think, like, man, we're not that good. We can't even stop the second team. But we didn't realize at the time those two were going to be pros. Yeah. And, and it really made our team really successful that year in 16 in that um, we – you know, we get really competitive practices and, and those two really made, you know, made that 16 team what it was. Yeah. Um, what, what was his favorite, favorite game he ever played for you? Do you have one? Look, there was, I had two. One was the semifinal game against Kansas and the final four is junior year. Mm-hmm. He was unstoppable. He was incredible. But that uh, in in seventeen, when he was a sophomore, yeah, we played in the Big East Championship game. I gotta get these games right, but one here it was either seventeen or two. We played in the Big East Championship game against Providence in an overtime game, and that really was the most dominant game I've seen him have. He, I think he had twenty. He might have more points in the. Kansas game, but he was it was a it was a physical physical game overtime game, and he was screaming to our bench during the game and late in the second half and in overtime like we are not losing this game and he was blocking shots and dunking on people and in the huddles he's, he's screaming like we're getting a stop right here we're getting like mm-hmm. we had Chris Jenkins and Josh Hart and Daryl Reynolds were seniors on that team but he. His will was incredible, and you'd, you'd always see that in in the biggest games with him. Yeah, um, he's really mature, obviously for a rookie. You know, I yes. deal with NBA rookies all the time, and he's crazy mature. It also, you know, he is twenty three, which has something to yeah. do with that. But sounds like you know, tell me about twenty year old him. I mean, it seems like he was a very mature twenty year old, really. Exactly. That, that was you know what we loved about him. Um, to that year, you know, he was he was very committed and, and relentless, and you know he had, you know he, he came in out of shape. Um, we had to get his body fat down. Our strength coach John Shackleton spent a lot of extra time with him. He was extremely committed to the point where the, the first year he could play, there was just a huge difference. You know, we have pictures of his body, him when he came in. You know, our strength coach takes these pictures and then his body after a year. Was incredible. Cut body fat down, and then he stayed commit, consistent with his diet, condition, and hydration. Just you know, he was he, you know, he was like a veteran pro as a sophomore in college, you know. And um, yeah, and then you know what he had to learn there was he was a bucket getter. You know, coming out of high school and and, and, and leading scorer. At, for him. He had to learn how to play with other great players and do the dirty work defense and rebound, which he did. And he loved it. He embraced it. To, and, and it was tough for him his senior year because we didn't. We had a lot of young guys around him and they double teamed him and triple teamed him. He got 
he got so big and physical that he would never get any calls because he was stronger than everybody, you know. And he'd go to the rim and they'd hammer him, and he, it wouldn't it wouldn't knock him off his line or it wouldn't knock off his balance. But he's getting crushed, and they wouldn't call it, you know. And yeah. I would always, you know, just try to plead with the refs like, don't penalize him for being stronger, you know. <laughs> Even they would call offensive fouls on him. Guys would just go flying off him <laughs> when they weren't in legal guarding position to the point where we couldn't run isolations at the end of the game for him because we were afraid he wouldn't get a foul called and they would call an offensive foul on him. Mm. We always thought when he got to the NBA and there was more space and guys couldn't double and triple team him that he would be more effective and we're kind of seeing that right now. It's it's just nice to see that come to fruition. Yeah. When two two kind of questions here. When did you know, you know, that definitely is a pro? And were you I mean, he went 41. Uh were you kind of shocked he went that low? That that sophomore year when he, you know, in his freshman year, excuse me, his sit out year. You know, we we had to see if he'd get into shape, if he could learn how to work hard and be dedicated and all these things because his freshman year Fordham he came in as the best player and he had some ankle injuries so they couldn't really they couldn't push him a lot they had to keep him healthy and just he couldn't get into foul troubles he couldn't play defense because he was the leading scorer so that sit out year we had to see if he would do it all if he would do all these things and he and he did and he embraced it all so we knew you know, we're like this kid, and, and you know, we saw the freak athleticism. He cut his body body fat. We're like, as soon as this kid learns how to play a little bit, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, we we all knew that. Then, and we all said, you know, but his first two years playing for us, he was playing with great players on great teams. Both those teams were ranked number one in the country at some time. Yeah. But then his then his senior year, he kind of got in a tough spot because. He, he didn't have much around them. He had a lot of young guys, mm. and they double teamed them and triple teamed them, you know. And but we knew he he, he would be a, a really good pro, and we were all shocked that he, he went that late. We really were. But you know, we tell our guys all the time: you have to respect the process. You know, they're prof- they're professionals. The NBA guys they know what they like, they know what they want. You know, it's not a popularity game. They and then you have to. You have to learn from where they picked you and who they picked above you, and then you got to go to work and prove yourself. And that's the mentality that he took. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I could have figured is that you know they just thought he was old and they didn't see an upside, you know. And um, but he's got a great upside because, as I said, I think his game fits more the NBA game than it does the college game. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of a common, obviously, as you know, problem with NBA. Sometimes they draft too much for. Uh, you know potential and, and and miss on older guys but yeah. um did you see the steve kerr quote the other day after i, I yeah. think he had 34 I, it was so funny he couldn't wait to get that out oh, no. he started yeah. saying that before they even asked a question yeah it was great he um he was we developed a great relationship this summer with the usa team he he was really helpful to me in uh guiding me in coaching NBA players and also guiding me in being assistant to Pop because he played for Pop. Mm-hmm. He knew what Pop liked, what Pop did. And then, what, you know, he caught me early with the guys, you know, just in coaches meetings, some things I would say that were collegiate. 
you know, he'd always say like, hey, look, that's a great point, but this is in the NBA. This is how you get. This is how you get approach these guys. You know. Yeah. Do you have like and, an example of, of uh, something? You know, like you know, you'd be in the game doing doing. You'd have a scouting report. It'd be my scout doing the game. One of the players would miss an assignment on scout. I'd get up and start to yell, and he's like, "Yo, easy, easy." Yeah. You can talk to him. Talk to him when he comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, like in college, we could just come scream at them on the court. You know. Yeah. He would just say like, "Yo, easy, easy." You know. That's great. And, and we would talk about it a lot, and he was very, very helpful to me. We developed yeah. a, a great relationship. Yeah. Uh, as far as um, his point is, kind of what you're making though that that you you really think Eric can be a scorer in the league because it's interesting to me. You know, when he gets drafted, you know, from covering the Warriors side of things, it was like okay, they got a versatile, multi-positional defender. I don't know what his offensive upside is really going to be, but you know, at least he'll be able to defend. But uh, we're starting to see like this guy could really score in the league. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. He he was a bucket getter his whole life. He didn't play any defense. Um, he wasn't in great shape. He could just get buckets like a typical New York City kid. And then, and he did the same thing in Fordham his freshman year. And when he came to us, it was one of the things we talked about. It's like, you know, we want to make you complete. We want you to be able to defend anybody. We want you to be able to rebound. We want you to be able to create shots for others. And that's how we recruited him. He said, I want to do that. And you know, we want you to get in shape. You know, we want you to develop a great work ethic. Mm-hmm. And in the sit in his sit out year, he worked with our strength coach John Shackleton. Spent you know extra time with him on his conditioning, his diet, his hydration. Um, and you know, we just saw it all coming, and we just like, wow, this is this is this kid's buying in completely. This kid's too good to be true, really. But. Mm-hmm. The two years he played, we didn't need him to score because we had, you know, we had Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart yeah. and Chris Jenkins and Mikhail Bridges and like he, we knew he was as good as them, but that they were older and and he could guard anybody. We literally played him defensively at the one sometimes with a really good big guard. Like he guarded. Um, Sexton for Alabama in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. and then we got put him at the five yeah like you know he guarded um the kid from Michigan um in, in the national championship Wagner game. Wagner Wagner yeah that's it. so we would put him on anybody in between and he was willing to do that yet in the semifinal game against Kansas I think he had like 24 28 mm-hmm. he was a monster like so we just didn't need him to do that a lot, but we used him defensively and rebounding, and we knew NBA people would appreciate the fact that he could guard anybody. Yeah. And we thought, all right, in his senior year, he'll just he'll go back to getting buckets. And but we just didn't. Our young guys were not ready his senior year. Mm-hmm. And the two, they just loaded up to him, and he still had a good year, and he put the team on his shoulders and carried us. To a Big East regular season and tournament championship, but it was hard. The referees would never give him a call. They were—he was too physical. Like he—he—he he, he, he drive. They just fly off and they call offensive fouls. Um, and they double team him, triple team him, and he 
he got a lot of assists. You know, he just he made the right play. Mm-hmm. So he never really got to show really what his natural game is. I think what you're seeing now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, do you think he can? Uh, so it's interesting. I mean, you're talking to, about. Uh, you know, right now he's kind of the deck is cleared for him and he can go score. But obviously, long term with this Warriors team, he kind of needs to fold back into, uh, you know, a system around Draymond and Steph and Clay when he's back. Um, do you think he can be a small forward? It's kind of becoming a little bit of a topic around the team because um, Dr- when Draymond's back, like him playing alongside Draymond and with the center on the court, uh, like how do you see him with the full loaded Warriors? I really do. He's a much better shooter than people know. Um, he's not the pure shooter that, and you're playing with Clay and Steph you know which mm-hmm. are two of the yeah. purest shooters in the history of the game but he is one of those guys that his shot doesn't look pretty it just goes in all the time and I really think he can do it I, I think what the beauty of him is his versatility and and I really think he, he loves winning over individual points statistics he really does he's an old school guy that way he's an old soul mm-hmm. so I think he's a great fit for those guys you know when they need him to get buckets he can but whatever they need him to do defensively rebounding screening he, he takes pleasure in doing that also as long as he's winning yeah do you have a favorite Eric story or, or memory that maybe you tell people appreciate it and I really don't want to take much more of your time I do can I ask you about just Amari Spellman just uh, just your quick quick thoughts on on him his fit with the Warriors obviously I know like you know he had the issues in Atlanta but you know he's starting to kind of turn it on a little bit I think he I think he was definitely ready for the NBA talent wise skill wise I think maturity wise in terms of being a professional he probably could have used one more year in college but I think it was the right decision to go. What he learned in Atlanta about being a professional, about being out on his own, he could have learned, that's what he would have learned one more year in college. Um, the basketball part, he was ready. And he, he had to go be the first round pick. But that was a tough year for him. And he learned a lot. And he, 
you know, he came back when he got traded. He came back to visit us and talked about it. I, I, I can just see, you know, just a year's wisdom. And he's got a fresh start out there. He loves his teammates. He loves the organization. He's a real, um, he's a real good person, soulful person. Like he probably more than he should be as a professional athlete, but he, he feels really good out there with the people that are around him. He's really inspired. He's learned a lesson that, you know, he got drafted and got traded and he knows he's got to prove himself. He's very mature about that, very committed to proving himself. He sent us a picture of him standing on a scale with 259 pounds, you know, mm. and, um, mm. and, and, you know, he, he's motivated, you know, and, and I, th I think he's motivated and inspired. He's motivated from last year. I think he learned a great lesson from that. I think he handled it intelligently, maturely, and he's very inspired by, by his environment out there. Last one. How much fun are you having watching these Warriors? Obviously, you know, two of your recent players plus Steve coaching. I love it. I, I really do. I, I love Steve. And, and, and uh, so I would I would be following them anyway. He and I talk so much basketball this summer. It's, it's just fun to watch him do this. I also admire, the, you know, the class and the, the dignity that he's handling this this new situation. Um, I'm learning myself because we're kind of young again this year. Yeah. If I can handle it as well as him. Mm -hmm. um, but then seeing these two guys on the court together, uh, you know, it's a team I always love to watch because of the way they play. But having those two out there together, we're all watching. Everybody in the Nova Nation, you can see guys with bags under their eyes because they stayed up to watch them at night.